Welcome to Student Success Stories, the podcast where we spotlight academic excellence at Baylor. I'm your host, Carol Croson. Today we're visiting with Alex Newberry, a senior MIS major from the Woodlands. He shares about a great morning routine, how to annotate your notes, and how connecting with faculty is essential for success. Hi, Alex. Thank you so much for joining me today. Of course. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Well, if you don't mind, just start out maybe introducing yourself and tell us a little bit about where you're from and what brought you to Baylor. So I'm going to be starting my senior year as an MIS student at Baylor. I'm originally from the Woodlands, Texas. My path on MIS is a little bit different than the average MIS major at Baylor because I'm going the more technical route, <clears throat> excuse me, instead of doing project management. So my concentrations really lie in data analytics. Mm. So I work with data warehousing, uh, data visualization, and all of the things that you can do with those applications. Oh, wow. That sounds very specialized. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Well, as you've been studying all these intricate details of MIS and data management and everything, what have been some study strategies that have helped you be most effective in your classes? So it was really hard for me to learn how to study coming to Baylor just because of how much more difficult and time that I needed to spend on my classes. So it was a pretty drastic contrast when I came to Baylor that first semester. I thought I could get away with a lot more free time. And I ended up just kind of deciding my second semester that it was time to buckle down and really start studying. And I just ended up just coming to the conclusion that some of the more fun studying strategies weren't going to work for me. It was just going to kind of be, you need to get the book, actually annotate it, which is something that I never thought I would do in high school, but it actually helps in college. Uh, I would handwrite my notes in class and then come back and type them up on some sort of cloud storage device so that I would have a catalog of what I was doing every single day. And that really came in handy for upcoming tests because I could print off the notes and you would see day by day what had been done in class and what notes you had taken as well as what you didn't understand and then go through that spreadsheet with a highlighter and then really hit on the key points where I was unsure of and needed to study for the test in order to get an A. Uh, one of the big benefits of the Business School of Baylor is a lot of professors will give study outlines before mm -hmm. tests, which was not something that I was expecting. But once I got those, especially once I was in the MIS major, it was very common for professors to do this. And I would just create a Quizlet with one side being the topic that the professor had put on the outline and then the other side as much information as I could possibly put on it. And this would take, depending on the class, anywhere from two to five hours. But by the time you finish it, you really knew the answers to every single thing that was on the study outline. And then if you still were unsure, you could go through the PowerPoint and go, hey, I need to review this one and whatnot. Awesome. Sounds like a great technique. I like mm -hmm. that idea of annotating your notes. And did you bring in the textbook into that as you were? Yes. So while I was creating those study guides, they were completely fleshed out. 
all of my answers and definitions would come straight from the textbook as well as the section would come straight from my notes. So I'd be answering the question twice, one with the textbook answer and then one with the answer that I could come up with myself. And then that way, when you have a free response question, you can really get into, this is how I'm going to solve it versus what the textbook solves it. So it's easier to remember when you're the one coming up with the solution. Exactly. It sounds like you really put that in your own words mm -hmm. and that made a big difference. Awesome. Well, tell me a little bit about what you're studying, like if you have a routine or what a typical day might look like of how you effectively study for your classes. So this upcoming semester, I am having all my classes later in the day because I'll be working part-time with my company that I interned with this summer. Uh, unfortunately, I had a dog who likes waking up very early, so I'll probably start my day around 6.30 or 7 and take him outside, let him do his business, and then immediately after that, I will go and exercise, whether that be outside running, uh, riding a bike, or going to the slick and swimming. I have to start my day off like that because it gets your brain kind of flowing and you definitely feel a lot better when you can get up and accomplish something right away. Then after that, I'll either begin doing homework that was not completed the night before or start my work for my company, then go to class, take all of my notes, and then as soon as I come home from class, I'll immediately start doing homework. And I usually don't like to stop doing homework on a night unless I have at least three and a half hours uh, I found for me that's the good stopping point on a daily basis. Now during finals that might be six or seven hours, but on an average day three and a half hours for 18 hours of classes is a really good happy medium for me to be able to have the free time to do what I want to do and stay sane as well as get the grades that I want in classes. And that's something that each individual will have to figure out, but it's really important to balance your physical health, your academic health, and your psychological health. Mm -hmm. uh, if you just lock yourself in a room and study like I do for finals, by the time finals are over, I mean, you're completely exhausted physically, mentally, and academically. Your brain is mush, but it's the best feeling in the entire world when you finish your last final. <laughs> Don't ever have to go back to that class. That's right. Well, take me a little bit into that three and a half stretch mm -hmm. every day. Are there breaks in there? Or kind of how do you go through that time? So my first semester at Baylor, I actually had to drop a class because I was not doing as well as I would have liked. And I took one of the academic resource classes. And what I had to do in this class was read a novel and then write like a 15 page report on it and explaining what I had learned from the book. And I read a book that talked about learning strategies and how to study and when to study. And so the number one thing that I took away from that was in an hour period, you can work between 45 and 50 minutes, and then you need to take between 15 minutes to 10 minutes of break time. So with that being said, since I'm taking a fourth of the hour as break, that means the other 45 minutes that I'm studying, I turn off all electric dev electronic devices, excuse me, and just completely study. I completely zoned out to the world and only focused on the work that's at hand. I found that this is a lot more efficient because you're not being distracted by Snapchat or Instagram notifications. 
that really hamper your train of thought when you're trying to study. And when you have 10 to 15 minutes of break afterwards, the messages aren't going anywhere. They'll still be there for you. Uh, I oftentimes get up out of my desk and walk around. Uh, might be taking my dog on a walk or getting a new glass of water or something of that sort to remove myself from the studying process and rejuvenate myself before I go back into it. Great. Well, it sounds like you have a really good morning routine, mm -hmm. starting off with your dog's yes. extra early wake up, <laughs> and you make sure that exercise is a part of that morning. Mm -hmm. Are there any other components to things you do before you get started with your day, whether working or going to class? Uh, yes, I am a very big to-do list kind of person. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I'll do, no matter what day it is, even if it's a Sunday and I have no school to do, I write out a list in hierarchical format of exactly what I need to get done for that day. So whatever is most pressing is item number one. And then, mm -hmm. you know, items 10 to 15 are not so pressing. Maybe they're an assignment that's due two weeks from now, so they might get pushed to the next day's to-do list. But in my planner, you can see a to-do list for every single day, and everything that isn't completed is circled and moved to the next to-do list. So you're never truly escaping the research report that you have to do. It's always there, looking, yeah. looking back at you, <laughs> right? So you don't forget. Well, awesome. What are, where, or where are your favorite places to study? So as I mentioned earlier, I do have a dog, so he's very high maintenance and as most corgis are, so I'm stuck studying in my apartment so that he doesn't destroy everything. Uh, before I had a dog, I really liked going to one of the smaller libraries, whether it be on SMU's campus or here at Baylor, and you kind of just scout out an area or a time of day where no one is there and you can just study. So, for example, my first semester in my very first computer science class, I would always study on Friday and Saturday nights, which you think, what is this guy doing? Like he's not having any fun, but I would go from seven to 10 and no one would be there and I could get all of my studying done. And then after that, there's still a whole night that you can spend with your friends, but those three hours, I really got a lot done and that's why I did so well in that class. That's a good, good thing to think about. Yeah. And yes, college students are staying up later <laughs> yes. and things are still going on at 10 o'clock, I remember calling my mom sometimes at 11 yes. and we were just, you know, they have those late night movies and all that fun stuff. So, and it's definitely nice to do that because you have an immediate reward. So it's yes. an instant gratification system, which is something that my generation has become quite accustomed to through some of the means that we interact with on social media. So it's kind of feeding that side of our brain that needs it, but also getting the things that we need to get done in a timely manner. Yes, that having, having a little reward to look forward to really can help, doesn't it? Well, um, thinking through challenges and mistakes sometimes can be our best teachers in mm -hmm. life. And so have you had an experience since coming to Baylor that's really left a big impact in the way that you um, work, do your work? Mm -hmm. So even going back before I was at Baylor, my final semester at SMU and my first semester at Baylor, 
I was pretty much nocturnal as you know some freshmen do become accustomed to and was not going to class as much as I probably should have. And at SMU, they didn't have the attendance policy that Baylor has, so I could get away with it. But at Baylor, when you reach that 75% mark, you're either going to fail or you're going to get a grade in the class. I want to pause here for a moment and talk a little bit more about the course attendance policy Alex mentions. At Baylor, each academic unit selects the class attendance policy and most have decided on the 75% rule that Alex describes. At SMU, each faculty member determines the course attendance policy. So depending on your course of study, that could change a little bit from class to class. Now, the big picture is I think we have two key takeaways from this discussion. One, go to class. It's essential for academic success, it's a wonderful way to ask your faculty questions in real time and get to know your fellow students. The other takeaway is how important it is to know about all policies and procedures that are part of the program of study you've chosen. That will also help you succeed academically. Now, back to our interview. So that was definitely a big adjustment for me to learn that I need to wake up and work as a college student in the same way that a functional member of the workforce does. When you start your morning and go to bed at a normal time, it's a lot easier to perform in a way that is acceptable for grades that I was accept expecting. And so once I stopped staying up until four or 5 a.m., I wasn't playing as many video games or going out and seeing friends and then they would still be doing that and then I magically found time that was alone and uninterrupted to study. So I had to change some of my bad habits in order to get good habits. Sounds like really just kind of reassessing your goals mm -hmm. and what was important and then making yes. those schedule adjustments, mm -hmm. getting sleep, yes. those kinds of things. There's always time to, you always have room to make time for the things that are most important mm -hmm. to you. And grades were something that was just really important to me. So I kind of reassessed, you know, this isn't what is acceptable at Baylor for an A straight A student. And that's what I wanted to be. So I needed to correct the behavior that had kind of been negatively reinforced through high school and the beginning of college when I could get away with going to classes and not have done my homework or not studying. And that's something that my high school teachers always said was coming. Building your study habits in high school is the most important thing to a high school teacher. And unfortunately, I'm here today saying that they're actually right because it's much more difficult to learn how to study in college than it is in your final years of high school. Mm -hmm. It's kind of where, where the mountain, where you have to start climbing the yes. mountain a little bit more, huh? Well, another aspect of college, certainly classes are essential mm -hmm. and a big part, but there's also a co-curricular experience yes. with student organizations. And what are some organizations you've gotten involved in while you've been here and how have they impacted your time at Baylor? 
So coming away from a varsity swim team at a university, I had a core group of friends even before I got there. Everyone was going to be my best friend, even if they didn't like me. And that's very different than most freshman student experiences where you kind of have to go and make the awkward hellos to the people on your floor. And I really wish I had that at Baylor because then I would have been much more school spirited. Uh, know the songs to sing at football games, actually attend football games. But after my first semester here and kind of figuring out how life at Baylor worked, I got involved with the water polo team here. And so I played on that team for two and a half years before work classes got too difficult and I just didn't have time to do that anymore. I'm also involved in Delta SIG, which is a professional business fraternity something that my whole family had been in and was just an easy thing to fit into my schedule that not only helped me in a social aspect, but also prepared me for the professional world and how to interact with recruiters for various firms, how to write a resume, how to dress properly, as well as some stuff that you might have learned in Cotillion if you ever went to that as a mm -hmm. child. And so I'm really thankful for my experience in that organization as it gave me some really awesome leadership opportunities. But unfortunately, during my senior year, I'm just kind of coast by and make sure that I get the grades that I want and not bite off more than I can chew. Yes, different, different semesters allow for different yes, very um, much. <laughs> involvement, levels of involvement. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, normal and good and it's yes. kind of the way life is mm -hmm. different seasons of life will you'll be able to be more or less involved in different things. yeah and there's definitely organizations that i've had desires to join as i've been at baylor um but never really had the time mm -hmm. to do it and so if it was really a priority i would have found time to get involved with them I was involved with Greek life at SMU, but mm -hmm. at Baylor, I just didn't feel like that was the best decision for me going forward. Mm -hmm. So I kind of put that to the wayside and found some other more creative and productive outlets for myself. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily the case for every individual. It just mm -hmm. happened to be what was the best for me at the time. Sure. I think really assessing your time and being mindful of, yes. of the limits that we mm -hmm. all just have 24 hours and some of that does need to be spent sleeping. So yes. <laughs> that's important. Great. Well, thinking back about your freshman self mm -hmm. and even your first semester at Baylor, do you have any words of wisdom that you would share with yourself? when you were kind of starting your college journey? Yes, so this was actually something that my sophomore year of high school world history teacher told me was that during the first week, you need to go into your professor's office hours. And before doing this, you need to look at the textbook and come up with a really good question. And you go into the office, you ask them the question, they're like, hey, this kid's actually paying attention. Uh, know maybe I want to create a bond with him and the professors at Baylor for the most part I've had very very few poor experiences with professors they really are genuinely caring and they want you to do well in their class there's some teachers that are obviously going to be more difficult and rigorous than others but my favorite teacher nowadays is a teacher who I can go into her office hours say I have no idea what I'm doing 
and get no help whatsoever. And she makes you learn it yourself, but I've respected her because of the fact that she's done that. So I would really just try and sit in the first two to five rows of a lecture hall, mm -hmm. usually in the middle so that when the professor is looking at the class, they can see that you're making eye contact with them because heaven forbid you get an 89.4 in a class. I'm not saying that a teacher necessarily will bump you up, but if you have a good connection with the professor, they're more likely to bump you up. And I have been a beneficiary of that in the past. So it's something that I definitely recommend in the case that you are in a position like that. Mm -hmm. Yes, getting those relationships mm -hmm. with faculty can be a challenge and kind of nerve-wracking maybe to go in and meet with them that first time. But I love that idea that your history teacher shared about looking at the textbook and having a question. Mm -hmm. I think that might be helpful for a student who maybe is a little bit nervous to, yes. to do that because then you have a specific thing mm -hmm. you want to ask about or talk about. And so. You don't necessarily have to be the most outgoing person in class, but if you do come across questions and you aren't comfortable asking them in a lecture hall environment, that's what office hours are for. Uh, myself, I'm not shy at all. I'll raise my hand and ask 50 questions a class. That's just how my personality works. But for someone who cannot do that, I really encourage you to come up with questions and ask the professor. And you know, maybe once a week you do raise your hand inside of a lecture hall and ask a question because that will really distinguish you to the teacher from your peers. And that's really helpful, especially if maybe you can't go to their office hour because you have a class. You're building a relationship while you are in class and not being required to give more time to that class through office hours. That's great. Well, you have your to-do list. You mentioned a planner. Is that your favorite strategy for time management? Yes, I live and die by the planner. What, is there a certain type that you use or are there elements that you look for when you're picking out a planner? Well, I used to just go to the bookstore and buy whatever Baylor planners they provided. But now that I have experience in the work world, I'll probably transition to an Outlook-based calendar because then I'll just be able to have both my academic requirements and responsibilities along with what my work appointments are. So that way I'm not carrying two different planners, not necessarily because they weigh a lot, but you're going to have overlaps where in one calendar you don't realize that you already have something blocked off for that time in your second planner. So that might not be something that a freshman or a sophomore has issues with, but I definitely recommend having at least one planner. Mm -hmm. And if you have more responsibilities, maybe push that onto a technology-powered device that can balance both of them at the same time. That's great and a great way to, to kind of sync those two worlds mm -hmm. together so you don't accidentally yeah, and double I mean, book yourself. Everyone has a laptop now or a tablet that they're carrying around all the time. I keep my calendar on my phone now mm -hmm. and although teachers might not like you pulling out your phone during class, uh, it's definitely nice to have reminders 15 minutes before anything that, hey, you have this coming up and kind of hard to forget about something when your phone is buzzing. Definitely. And I think Outlook even has a task list kind of yes, feature. So that might do. be something you can incorporate too. Well, um, 
What would you say has been your favorite resource that you've utilized while you've been at Baylor? Definitely the teachers, like I was saying earlier, they will bump you up if you are on that line, mm -hmm. if you have a good relationship with mm -hmm. them, but that's not necessarily as important as the resources that they'll have. They are involved in your academic growth as well as your early professional career. If you really can make a bond with a professor, then they will help you find jobs with the connections mm -hmm. that they have. And as you get older, you kind of have to realize that you're going to have to actually get a job. And so that's, you know, a stark, uh, not so fun reality to come face to face with, but mm -hmm. <laughs> it is an individuality. So, and luckily I had one professor that I really connected with and he recommended some places in San Antonio to apply to. And that's where I ended up working. So probably without his encouragement during our office hour meetings to apply for different positions that he thought would be most applicable to my skill set, I wouldn't be where I am today. So just really go talk to your professors, create a relationship, and then they're going to be your most valuable resource. That's so powerful because the more you get to know a faculty member, mm -hmm. the more he or she can understand those yes. details. So if you had never gone in to talk to your faculty member, mm -hmm. they may not have known that data analysis was something that was yes. especially interesting to you and been mm -hmm. able to steer you in that direction. And another thing that is an outcome of building these relationships is then when you do apply for jobs mm -hmm. and you need a letter of recommendation, yes. they can write a really thoughtful, meaningful mm -hmm. letter because they know you so well and they've seen your work ethic and they've seen your interest in the topics and different things like yes. that. So, And that's definitely very different because colleges obviously require letters of recommendation, but mm -hmm. oftentimes high school professors will write a very similar story. Maybe for their very favorite student, they'll really put the time in to write a really awesome letter of recommendation. But for the most part, they will all write positive letters. Mm -hmm. Whereas in college, teachers, if you ask them, you have no relationship with them, you are a C-plus student in their class, they're going to write what they know about you. They're not going to create fluff. They're not going to make you get a job at a company and the company realize that you're completely underqualified and give Baylor a bad name. They're going to be honest with the work that you've done. And that's really nice because it holds you accountable. Mm. That's good, good things to think about yes. for sure. Well, thinking about the future, mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about what your hopes are for life beyond Baylor. So as it stands now, I'll probably be moving back to San Antonio, uh, whether that be with USAA or one of the other mega firms that call San Antonio home. I spent my entire summer between junior and senior year there, ended up really liking it, deciding that that's where I want to live. And so I will probably work for a couple of years, create a nice nest egg, and then maybe take a year or two off to go back to school and get some sort of master's degree, whether that be a master's of science in data analytics or an MBA. I cannot tell you as that's in the future. Uh, hopefully I can be involved with the send-off parties that Baylor has. I just went to one that occurred in San Antonio not too long ago, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, many of my coworkers were involved, so 
I just want to be involved with Baylor and give Baylor back what it gave me, as well as advance my professional career. Wow, that's amazing. And that is something that's wonderful as an alumni. There mm-hmm. are lots of opportunities, and we wish you the best Thank in you. your next endeavors. I really appreciated the different tips and insights Alex shared with us today and hope you found a few things to take away as well. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next time when we hear another student success story. Are you looking for a way to earn additional course credit outside of the fall and spring semesters? Maybe you changed your major, added a minor, or just want to get ahead. Don't forget about all the options available to you through Baylor Summer. We offer courses in a May mini-mester, during Summer 1, Summer 2, and Full Summer. These courses are available online, on campus, and through Study Abroad, so there's an option for everyone. This week, on our Instagram, at Baylor underscore Summer, we will be hosting an exciting giveaway leading up to the reveal of the schedule of classes for summer 2019. Please join us on Instagram for all the details at Baylor underscore summer. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at student success stories. You can keep up with the podcast and subscribe to episodes by searching student success stories on iTunes or go to our website at baylor.edu slash SSI slash podcast for a direct link to subscribe and also a link to listen. You'll find all the show notes from this episode there. Music for Student Success Stories is Cherry Monday by Kevin McLeod. You can hear more of Kevin's music at incompetech.com.